welcome, family. I am Pastor Jeremy, and I'm here uh, with your entire clergy staff. And we just wanted to take a moment to reflect on the Lenten season as we begin Holy Week. So thinking back to our uh, sermon series for Lent Elemental, uh, we looked at the, the elements of Lent and the things that we experience in the wilderness. So I want to ask the three of you, and I'll give my um, my perspective as well. Which of the elements have you connected with most throughout this entire sermon series? And it doesn't have to be just one, but but which are the ones that resonated most deeply with you? So I'll I'll kick us off because we we named it as as an element of of a week, but it was also kind of the framework for the whole thing of the wilderness. And um, it's it's funny if, if probably if you play all these podcasts that we've done back, you'll hear me say the word journey more often than um, <laughs> than not because um, it's one of my favorite words. It's one of my it, I think it's a, a word that kind of describes the the life of faith. It describes discipleship. It describes life in general. I mean, you can you can if you conceive of everything as a journey, um, then then it it changes kind of how we we engage with different pieces. And so kicking it off with with wilderness um, and kind of uh, uh, setting the stage um, for for where we were going, for where Jesus is going. Um, but I, I think there's also an element in naming wilderness and naming the wilderness, even though it is like an explicit part of the Jesus story that that kicks us off, but to to frame the whole thing as wilderness, um, it, it's an it's an honesty thing. Like we're 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 really naming that there are dangers and there are you know snares and there are um, you know places that we may get tripped up and um, mm-hmm. there are maybe little you know like coves and openings in the trees that have sunlight in them. And if you, if you just take the wilderness as a whole concept, I think you get the opportunity for all of the, the different experiences of Lent um, and and you welcome them um, as they come. I think that that takes me back to our zoom out series in the way that the wilderness was both an element and where we were just kind of, like you said, uh, but that is, that is so interesting to look at just the moment you're in, but also where you are uh, in it. I'm sorry, Jen, you were about to say something? I was just going to say, I, I love the way E.B. framed it, Dr. Arnold framed it, when she talked about really isn't all of life a wilderness. Like, mm-hmm. like we, we don't go into the wilderness. We never really come out of the wilderness. Right. And 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 I, that was such a like a aha moment of why do I keep getting afraid of these moments when really all of life is wilderness? It's It's the... It, the opposite. Yeah. Like God's always there in the middle of it. And that's what I appreciate about the journey language, right? Is that, that it's not the destination. It's, it's this ongoing maturation that happens along the way, right? It's, it's, you're, we're always on a journey and, and uh, these times in our liturgical calendar are markers as we journey along. And, um, and we, we carry like for us in this Lenten series, these, these elements that are part of that journey. Right. Yeah. I think uh, another perspective on that wilderness piece that kind of kind of layers with it and kind of goes in a different direction. Um, if we're not if we are not always in the wilderness, the thing that sucks about the wilderness is that we never know when we're stepping into it or, or there are some things that we can see. Uh, we can see that we're walking into. But like the real wilderness of mm-hmm. life, the loss, right, the, the the difficult situations, the things that requires to dig deep in ourselves to grow in in our spiritual life it's just that 
we we never get to choose uh, the the particular details of our wilderness. We just walk in and then have to have to trust that there's a through on the other side. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 What were the elements for the rest of you? Probably mud for me. Um, and, and I would, I would wonder if all of our, uh, the ones that we resonated with are the ones that we preached. Um, but, but yeah. it would probably like, oh, be wind and bones. I think. Right. 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 But it would probably be mud for me. I think yeah. partly because of the uniqueness of that miracle and scripture, partly because I, I do think I always kind of go to um, whatever the healing, whatever the answer, whatever the solution is, is going to be the place that we never thought to think, uh, or never thought to look, you know what I mean? Um, so for me, it was, it was definitely mud. Yeah. I mean, like the, the first two I thought of were like spirit and bones and those were the ones I preached, but, um, but I would say, you know, um, spirit that when that breath, has been so important to me in remembering to stop and breathe and remembering to say God's holy name, like on my personal faith journey. Um, and that, 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 uh, the, the Lenten journey and the journey of faith and discipleship in Christ is a spirit led journey. Um, and so being reminded of, uh, of that, um, is, uh, is important um, to and stop and remember to breathe and and make this holy Lent a holy Lent. Um, and then um, bones was very personal in that we've had some deaths right around uh, the time um, that we were preaching about um, about bringing life, um, calling life from dead places. And um, so this year um, that was. Um, impactful for my life. Yeah. I wonder as we, um, as we think about the things that resonated with us most deeply, um, it all sounds, it sounds positive for the most part. I wonder, cause we talk a lot, a lot about the uncomfortability we experience at Lent, uh, which of the elements caused you the most discomfort? If you, if you can remember, I know that we try to block the more difficult memories out, but. <laughs> I, I, it's the one that I like the inner connected with the most and the ones I had most difficulty with was mud mm-hmm. um, and bones. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the mud. Um because it just felt the strangest. And I always, as we've talked before, we've talked with people in DEI, it, 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 preaching on healing is hard. Especially that text. It's, whoa, it's, it's so what's going on here. Yeah. It, and it's, it's, and it's a hard, it, it, it's just a hard text to preach on. And I didn't even preach on it. Um, but also just, I, I loved, I, it was helpful, Melissa, when I listened to you, your take on it and that mud helps us, we're the, we're the people around it. It had nothing to do with the, the, the person born blind. They were very significantly changed and, and very sure of who they were um, both before and afterwards, honestly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the disability was healed, but they themselves, they knew who they were, no matter what it really was. Le- it was more about Jesus for them, this miracle. Um, but the rest of the people around them, and I appreciated that because it was the things that we can't see because of the things we don't expect Jesus to use. And that hit mm. me between the eyes. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh, yeah, I gotta, I, really sometimes keep Jesus in a box and God in a box. I think what was interesting about that one, and and I could have preached eight sermons on that text, um, probably with different, different focal points um, is, is what it looks like when, what it means for what we believe about Jesus when we don't believe other people's stories, because that was in that text, what was happening was, they turned once, once the man said, well, I'm, I can see now they turned and said, well, this man who healed you, this Jesus person, well, maybe he's a sinner. And you're just going, how do you make that jump? Right. But I think that's the, that's the tension of when we don't believe people's stories, when we don't listen to people's stories, when we don't listen well to one another, what does it mean for, for how we are, are framing who Jesus is and that it, mm-hmm. it all comes back to to that, which was a, a path I didn't fully get to go down in, in a 20 oh, yeah. minute sermon, but, but it, it, you know, what, what does, how we, what does, how we engage one another say about what we believe about God is the. Well, and it happened along with this whole, if you've been listening and watching in the world of church, it happened for me around the whole, you know, the revival that was happening at Asbury Seminary and the the back and forth of critique is, is this real or is this performative? And is this, if it's not a revival, it's not changing people and all of those things. And it was so fascinating because it felt like the text was speaking into what I was watching in the culture and, and my own tendencies and so it was like, oh, whoa, what do we do with that? Yeah. Mm. And, and like when we had that conversation, it, for me, it's how do I can't judge someone else's experience. It's their experience. Right. And, and the, but the same things happen in the text. There, there's all this judgment. There's, there's judgment on the person born blind. And then there's judgment on Jesus. And there's just not acceptance of, of the space and place that we're, we're in and our experience with the presence of the living God. And it's so we just, we pass over the powerful and we want to, we want to push down. Um, so that, that text is just like you said, Melissa, there's like 30 sermons that should and could be preached on it. Cause it's, it, there's so much going on there and so much to mind. But well, as, as you said, in your first part of your explanation, Melissa, about how, like considering how we interact with one another uh, return to the question of uncomfortability. I, I realized listening to you talk that I, I remember mud being the one that resonated most and made me most uncomfortable as I tried to write and consider what it meant to preach on a healing story while while also affirming everyone's personhood, including my disabled brothers and sisters, uh, my yeah. brothers and sisters with with uh, disabilities. And I think we're thankful. Uh, I'm thankful that the uh, I was able to have a conversation with somebody that was help me, able to help me kind of contextualize right. uh, the entire thing better. Um, and 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 one thing that I didn't go to go into in my sermon that I think is necessary whenever we talk about healing is what whatever the real miracle is, right? Just to just to go mm-hmm. back to that, right? Like 
for me, I read uh, John 9, and I don't know that uh, I get excited about the fact that a person who uh, could not see could could now see. It's more about the social conditions that he was forced into because of his lack of sight uh, and, and being able to engage in full community and society because Jesus had done this thing, right? And so I, I, I think that uh, when we when we read the Bible, uh, acknowledging it as a historical document as well, uh, as a document that uh, that is influenced by its time. You know what I mean? Uh, and us using all the knowledge and wisdom God has given us up to this point to try and understand what it's getting at for us. Jen, what, what were you? What were you getting at? What were you about to say? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say that, and it, it, it's so hard to unpack the sociological and anthro the anthropology around the scripture sometimes that you feel like you, when you start to do it, you do a disservice. When you ignore it, you do a disservice. And it's just, it's uncomfortable to, that's why some people preach for 45 minutes, which we would not get away with. (laughs) Um, I also will say the other one for me was the bones and um, you know, you all did a lot of the preaching. Um, I only preached a couple of times this Lent um, and, and that's for scheduling wise with, you know, cause Melissa's leaving us and, um, for just, for Sabbath, just for Sabbath. Sorry. We'll be back. Um, we didn't just drop a bomb in the middle no, of the podcast. No, 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 no. No, sorry, that's crazy. Announcing the, announcing <laughs> Melissa leaving. Okay. Stop saying that. It's okay. wild. She's not leaving. Okay. It's wild. So go back to but last Lent was horrible for me. It was a real rough yeah. time in my life. And yeah. so the bones, sitting with the bones, mm. and not just because of death and grief, but bones of my own spirit and being able to, to recognize that the take I took was a left turn and nowhere near what I, we started with. Um, but realizing, yeah, we just need to get honest. I loved EB's lecture. Loved EB's lecture. I never knew we would go to that really sacred space with that word. So I loved it. I'll be transparent and say that I don't remember what Bones was about. Would anyone care to remember? John 11. Okay, that was just like the other day. Yeah, yeah. Cool, there we are. We're all back together. (laughs) It's just team. I just we have to be willing to be vulnerable and say, hey guys, I don't remember today. That's to be fair. You had an early morning. You had an early morning. That's true. I I literally okay. wrote down all of them just so I didn't miss one too. Got you. You see? <laughs> no That's right by my side. I think if you if you do the work of Lent well, though, there probably is something that caught you more than the others, and other things may fade because if you do Lent well, there's probably a journey um, mm-hmm. that you particularly needed to go on. It's it's the it's the time of year that we really emphasize that personal spirituality, that personal holiness of what is the journey mm-hmm. you specifically need to go on, so that when we come into Easter tide, we're ready to to look at that communal when we bring ourselves together. How do we change the world? Um, peace and, and so that's... so it's it's if if when you were hearing us ask that question, you go I. 
I only remember one of them. Maybe that's the one that really was the element you needed to find in Lent this year. So um, yeah, I guess it's the bones for you, Jeremy. Exactly <laughs> what I was saying. You know, I was just trying to express it in a masterful way. You know what I mean? I was just, just oh. trying to be permission giving like the psalmist. You know what I mean? But I do have I do I do have one more question uh, before we move on to the next part of the podcast, just to make sure we get it in there. So so we've talked about. Uh, the, the element that resonated most deeply with you all. We talked about the one that made you uncomfortable. Is there an element in particular that you're like, man, I hope people caught this? Not because it's more important than the other elements, but because it's it's something that we specifically need, that you see the world in need of, that you see our community in need of. I get to preach on, I get to preach on spirit. And, and like Jen said, the ones that we've preached on are the ones that we, we seem to remember the most, but I preached on spirit and gave in, and really focused on those images for the spirit. And I think if, if there was a universal takeaway from, from Lent for me for this year, that no matter where you, what journey you're on specifically, I, we are, we are people of action and people who like to touch and do and um, be in control and and feel like we can do things. I mean, we even say, you know, we can help end poverty. Like we are the people who really believe that the, the things and we have power to do that. And we believe in our belovedness and we believe in our being made in the image of God and all of that um, creativity and the, the power and empowerment that that gives us. And we Methodists particularly forget that the Holy Spirit still exists. Mm. And that is something that I continually have to remind myself when I go, I don't know if I can, or this seems like a lot for me, or no, I've got that under control is to be pulled back and to go also the Holy Spirit exists mm -hmm. and, and that companion and that advocate as the, the scripture tells us um, and comes in many forms and we see it in different ways, um, but it is present and among and moving and shaping and pushing and pulling as we talked about that week. Um, so I think that's the one that if you miss nothing else, my guess is St. Lucas needed to hear that the spirit is still moving. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. That's real good. I was going to say much the same because the the line in my sermon was uh, the wilderness journey is a spirit led, and and this is spirit led, um, and that that just to remember that. I mean, there is the cross and the flame of the United Methodist Church, right? That's the right. spirit. So, um, and then I think the, the 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 other one is the one from from uh, from Bone, the the line that Jen you found that the the journey to Easter goes through. The cemetery. I mean, that legitimately was the hook that you and I were like, ah, I was like, I found it. I found it. Like, yeah, yeah. The journey, the journey to Easter goes through cemetery. Um, that, that, you know, and I think when we've talked about this, I'm not sure in a podcast, but one of my seminary professors, you know, was saying, you know, for too often in the American church, you jump from celebration Palm to celebration Easter. And we forget this journey that Jesus made to the cross, right? And um, and the Lenten journey is is that his right that transfiguration and his gaze cast toward Jerusalem, and it's not an easy thing. It's a difficult journey of self reflection and confession, and uh, but to remember that the journey towards Easter goes through the cemetery. Um, 
That's a great segue um, into where we are going this week. So we just celebrated that high of Palm Sunday of the triumphal entry um, and, and that celebratory high energy moment where, where we see the, um, the, the, the people of, of the city just overwhelmed that they finally, their savior is finally here. The, the shouts of Hosanna meaning save us. Um, they think the, the warrior King has finally come to overthrow the bad guys so that they can, you know, find, find, uh, uh, rescue from their oppression. Um, but then there's the rest of the week and we see the story take a turn. Um, we, we move from Palm Sunday um, to Holy Thursday, to Good Friday, to Holy Saturday, and then to Easter Sunday. Um, so I wonder, you know, if we could could take a moment to reflect um, on each of those. What what are what are our big um, sort of elements or takeaways, or where do we see maybe even some of those elements showing back up as we go throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the Holy Week journey? Um, so we start with Thursday, Holy Thursday, Maundy Thursday, where we um, find Jesus with the disciples in the upper room. It's where we get the uh, tradition of foot washing. It's where we get the tradition of communion. Um, and then it's the the night that we, we see um, that turning point um, where Jesus ends up being betrayed by Judas. So what are, what does that story mean for each of you? What is the, the, the big point there? So I love Holy Thursday as read through John's gospel. Even though I, I pull my Bible out, um, John's gospel doesn't necessarily institute the last supper. It's really like brief. Very, yeah. very brief. However, the commandment to love is given and there's this whole, and, and, and it doesn't really, it doesn't specify um as much but they're walking there's a lot of walking and talking and 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 it's this long discourse he has with his friends like the last things he wants to say to them and i the scriptures in those particularly john 14 john 15 those are some of my favorite scriptures from jesus's words to his you know peace i live with you i will not leave you orphaned he promises them the advocate of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he talks about the, you know, this is the the vine, you are the vine, and I am the branch, or I'm the vine, you are the branches, you know, producing fruit. He gives them sort of kind of like his his graduation, <laughs> I think of it a graduation speech almost. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but it's this very intimate, intimate, intimate conversation filled with expectation of them. And for me, he sets the tone if we pull in all the gospel stories by let me show you how to wash, you know, let me show you how to serve. Let me show you what humility is like. Let me give you this reminder. Let me then tell you to love. And then let me tell you what the expectations are. And they don't even really realize what's going on. Um, But he's intimately praying for them and intimately guiding them. And it's just my favorite. And we don't always talk about those conversations in usually or typical form of Holy Worship, Holy Thursday worship, <clears throat> um, which I wish people would read that more often. We would spend more time on that, but that's my favorite part. I would agree. The, those two mandates of serve and love one another, um, they're, 
the most transformative for me, right? Like it encapsulates what it means to be a, the follower of Jesus. Um, and so going through that, remembering that and doing that uh, on Thursday night, for me, that's, that's that Palm Sunday is, yeah, that's the beginning, but the, the, the meat is begins Thursday. Um, it, it's, um, and it really just sets the tone of, of being there with, with Jesus. And, you know, I know I started with, to give Melissa the segue of, you know, we, we don't, we do a celebration of celebration, but, you know, St. Luke's does Ash Wednesday, people show up and, and pre-pandemic people really showed up for uh, Monday, Thursday and Good Friday. And, and uh, this year, I, it's going to be so powerful. This year, I'm so excited about uh, about the Holy Thursday service, and um, and how we're going to be spirit led, right? Um, to really be in that space with Jesus, um, to be in those moments, and to to hear Jesus command us to be servants to each other and to the world. Um, and, and do that in, in the practical ways that Jesus did then, and then think about how to do that in the practical ways moving forward. You know, I'm, and so, yes, all of that about Thursday, but then how this coming Holy Thursday, um, I'm, I'm excited about this different type of service we're going to do and how it's going to immerse us and move us through that night because it's with Jesus, right? It's it's with Jesus, Um I just yeah, it's going to be very. It's going to be that intimate communal fellowship of worship that we're going to have in a different way, where it's we're with Jesus together, all one body. Um, You know, which by the way, look for your Spotify, look for your playlist so you can learn the music Mm -hmm. because we're Mm -hmm. all going to be singing together. It also recognizes. I recognize this is the expectation. And because we fall short is why we have Good Friday. That's why we need Good Friday is because we don't know how to love in those ways. We don't, we do fall short of loving in those ways. My favorite line of uh, community liturgy, when our love fails, your love remains steadfast and true. It's that's, that's Thursday to Friday to Sunday. Well, and in the, in the funeral liturgy, and when all else fails, you are still our God, which mm-hmm. is what we say on Good Friday, which would we say yeah. on Good Friday is that you're you're still our God and we'll do anything to make sure that 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 we have mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation. I of course, and I feel like we have to say this in every podcast almost, of course, in Grow Up Methodist. And so uh first time I celebrated uh Holy Thursday or Monday, Thursday, uh, or whatever you want to call it, was my first year at St. Luke's. And so I have to say that, first of all, like the thing about it for me is being thankful and 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 throwing myself into the fact that we do have a moment of celebration that is about telling the story. It's just beautiful. Like story is so important. And so whenever we have a moment in our culture, in our community to set us to, 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 to lift up story and what it does for us, that is impactful to me. But then I would say, uh, man, it's, it's, it's the foot washing. 
it's it's that it's that especially as uh somebody who uh serves in ministry it's it's that quintessential fundamental example of humanity in leadership or humanity in whatever ship you find you know what i'm saying you find yourself in and and yeah that sticks with me yeah i think it it serves in the same way you know as we were talking about mud it's it's unexpected it's not super comfortable um and it's certainly not something we're comfortable thinking about jesus doing for us mm-hmm. um, so I think there's there's something to be said about showing in in the ordinary everyday what what we're about to see played out on the cross um, in the same kind of of metaphor, the same kind of process, the same kind of ritual. So, oh my gosh, that is Melissa. This is this is probably a tangent, but isn't it interesting that especially in our American culture. Um, we are so much more comfortable, not, not the four of us or the three of three of you, I'll say (laughs) we are so much more comfortable in our American culture with Jesus on a cross and the humility and vulnerability of that than letting our feet be washed. Yeah. We don't blink. Jesus died for your sins. We can recite that with. Right. Right. Uh, blink, but but forget. But first Jesus lived to wash our feet. Yes, right. So interesting. Which yeah. is why I think a lot of people don't come on Holy Thursday, as they go, "Oh, it's just communion." Right. Well, and, and hmm. it gets to it gets to um, uh, yeah, it gets it gets to the death and and resurrection of Jesus, and and we miss the life of Jesus. You know, there's what he did for our sins, which is not, they're not antithetical, but then the life he lived and what he preached to us, um, that okay. I'm forgiven is more important than Jesus calls us in the Sermon on the Mount to love each other, to care for each other, right? So, yeah, I mean, that's... In his living, though, to get down and wash someone else's feet was to deny and die to self. Right, and and right. so it is just the living embodiment and representation of what happens the next day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. So let's move to the next day. <laughs> I I would say that it is the story that while culturally as Christians, we are, are comfortable with, we are aware of, we talk about, we know about, um, you know, I've had so many conversations with St. Lucas who um, have been in the process of deconstructing their faith and wrestling with their faith and reevaluating the stories that were were shared with them so comfortably growing up and going, this is a little uncomfortable and not sure what to do with it. And Good Friday and the cross is usually at the center of that struggle of, mm-hmm. of how do we reconcile you know, what, how this story has been shaped of the why of it. Um, and yet here at St. Luke's, it is a huge piece of, of who we are and what we do and our practice and our ritual and our telling of the story um, and is not something we want to shy away from. Um, but what, what do we do with that? How do we have those conversations? Um, what is the meaning of Good Friday for each of us? And and for the church. Jen already teed us up a little bit of it, but 
I'm afraid to sound like a heretic, so I'll stop a hair short. I'll I'll shirt then you're just uh, a, yeah, chick. a hair short, but um uh I anticipating this question, I went and found a, a quote from a book that I always that I think really sums it up for me. And it says, uh the cross in Martin Hengel's words points to God's loving solidarity with the unspeakable suffering of those who are tortured and put to death by human cruelty. Um, and so for me, um, it is about God being willing to experience the worst of what it means to be human and vulnerable, um, to experience the work, to experience something akin to the worst that the people who are treated most horribly on earth, uh, have experienced. Right. And so, uh, to contextualize it for me, uh, specifically because that quote is from the cross and the lynching tree, which we've talked about a ton and a ton and a ton. And me and Jay, me and, um, Jen led a, a study on a couple years ago for me as a black man the day the celebration means god's solidarity in the possibility of uh, uh in the possibility of police brutality in the possibility of all of the things uh that that marginalize my people and that i'm fearful of when i when i go outside i, I think i shared on a different podcast um uh, there, there was a year, I think it was 2017, where everyone killed by police that year uh, in Atlanta was black. And so uh, my roommate and I, my best friend, uh, we would look at each other every morning like, see you later, maybe. Uh, and, and legitimately, it was those were moments we have, moments where we prayed over each other, moments where we fixed each other's collar before we left the house. You know what I mean? Uh and we call it that doing our most important work, fixing our brother's collar. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. God's solidarity with me in that. And of course, mm -hmm. that looks like something different for everybody because everybody's life is hard and everybody's life carries this, these pains and these crucifixions that happen. Uh, but ultimately, it's 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 God's willingness to experience that with us, with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It, it makes me think of. Um, Leslie Weatherhead's um, kind of threefold concept of the will of God um, that that Holy Thursday is the um, intentional will of God. What does God intend to come into the human experience in Jesus Christ to teach us to love and serve the world? Friday is that circumstantial will of God that because of the circumstance of humanity, yeah. God has stepped into our experience in that solidarity. Um, and then Easter is the ultimate, right? So um, that's, it makes me think of, of that, that framework. Where I felt like I was almost going to be a heretic. It's almost like um, to pull more black theologians in Cone says something in God of the oppressed akin to is just the possibility of, of different be, of difference being there. And so it's almost mm -hmm. like for me, I almost don't need to even get to Easter because it's me for, for me. It just means the world that God was willing to die that death, that God was willing to stand with me in that. Right. And, and, and truly for me, the resurrection is the, the cherry on top that speaks to the spiritual piece of it. Right. But like, mm -hmm. but yeah, I almost don't need even need to go to, to Easter theologically for me. 
Yeah. Right. And that's and that's why we have a breadth of atonement theories and placing that moment where where God meets us at different parts of Jesus's life right. because it meets us at different parts of our lives and and our different identities mm-hmm. that that we need all of those different versions of the story to be able to to connect with whatever our personal you know connection point is because I on Good Friday look at the cross. Um, as, as something I want to be sure I'm not perpetrating as a person of privilege, that, that, that becomes a, a, a calling out of my sin and a calling out of, of, of my own complicity in stories like you're sharing of your own, Jeremy, that, that what I see on the cross is, is the, the result of what happens when God, um, lives as God's self among humanity. We kill God. (laughs) That that's the only thing we know to do because we can't handle the idea of that kind of holiness and perfection among us. Um, and that, and, and there's, there's something there, um, but to say that in the, the midst of all of this, of of wanting to to meet people where they are, you know, I think the, the thing we would all say about the cross is that it's not because God needed a blood sacrifice <laughs> um, in order to to you know uh, 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 meet God's wrath somewhere. That that is a story that we want to reclaim in a different way. I wonder. So yes, 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 yes. Yes. Uh, I would say the existential. What did you say of circumstance of humanity? I would add. I would say the existential circumstance of sin. And 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 good, but but human nature isn't sin. I understand it. Yeah, I understand nature. But right, human, that, humanity has the capacity and the free right. will to be able to choose sin, and we do. And so, did God need it? Did God? Did God? Was God surprised? No, of course <laughs> well, not. Because we always move towards power. We always move towards oppression. We always move towards gaining as much power. And the religious authorities and the Roman authorities and everybody wanted power that day. And the only way to to, to gain power and hold power and control power, whether it's empire of the world, whether it's empire of the religious people, whether it's empire of, of the wealthy, whether it's empire of whatever kind, because there were lots of different classes of people that day that were um, looking for a crucifixion of someone. Right. We'll do whatever it takes to shut down love. And so a blood sacrifice? No. A love sacrifice? Yeah, because I think that's the only thing to do anything else but love and surrender would be to play into the power and the fight for power. And so I've never thought of it that way. And you may not like the language of that, but I have to say, it immediately hit me of, there is a uh, humanity does need a sacrificial love to show us. By the way, that's what Jesus was talking about on Holy Thursday. Right. right. And the emphasis is that's what humanity needs, not what God needs. Correct. God correct. doesn't need it to show us love. Humanity needs it to see only, God's love. The only it's the only way. It was the only. It was the only possible outcome. 
Um, yeah. I just recently, and I, I understood the concepts next to each other with like what you're saying about what humanity needed and what God needed and sacrifice, right? I I never quite put it together until today at some point that communion and the placing of Jesus's body as the bread and blood as the wine was the, was the, it's like a switcheroo for the Passover lamb. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got the concepts next to each other. Correct. But I, didn't, I just didn't see the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no longer. This is the blood of a new covenant poured out right. for you for many. Right. For you and for many for the sins of the world. And and I love that part of the communion liturgy because it's and for many. So it's not just for those 12. It's not just for right. the Jewish people. It's for and many and all the many of us that have come after and sat at that mm-hmm. table. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. <clears throat> I don't, you know, and we that's always, why Friday is so important. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and I, I, we talk a lot about atonement theories and whether we like them and don't like them and all this kind of stuff. All I know is I know I need it. Yeah. And the right. minute I forget that I need hey. it. Hey. I, I, yeah. And that, that, I think that's for me, the biggest thing is, is we get so caught up in the exactly how that we just, we lose that, that, that it happened and that, and why that God loves you. Right. It, it can be so, we get so focused on the mechanism and how exactly did that work? Like, no, no. And Jesus says it to, to, uh, to, uh, not Zacchaeus, um, but in John three, because I, because God loved you, the world so much that God would come into your experience. Well, and it's, it's, it's when I forget that I need it. And when I argue about it, that I become <laughs> complicit, as Melissa said, uh-huh. in the power structures that mm-hmm. seek to do the harm that say you're not better and there's a hierarchy and we allow people to be lynched and all those things. It's it's yeah. just that circuitous understanding of humanity. Which is mm-hmm. what Nicodemus was struggling with in that text too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And it re- which is why we need Friday. Which so is why we call it Good Friday when it's filled with with candles being extinguished, right? We we, we began the Lenten sermon series almost with flame, with spirit, right? And now it's this into darkness, and we call it good. Well, and how God brought forth light, right, out of darkness, mm-hmm. and we bring forth darkness out of light, right? And we participate in that. We did that. We we tried to, to snuff out the light, which, of course, the light of the world came into the world and the darkness will not overcome it, which leads us to, you know, Easter. But first, right. you got to get in Holy Saturday. And I was and about Dang, I love Holy Saturday visuals and I wish we did them, but our worship team would kill us. But I love Holy Saturday because I love sitting in it and I love getting to, you know, um, sundown and, and, and the, the, the ancient ritual of bringing the light back that, that God brings the light back. I just love that service. Yeah. I, I, I've always said if, if you aren't going to do Holy Saturday, you don't get to do Easter because <laughs> it's that jumping straight into even jumping from the cross to Easter. E- even if let's say you go through Holy Thursday and you go through Good Friday, even jumping from the cross to Easter 
that, you know, y'all know that I'm a story person. I am all about how the narrative is shaped. And it's important that the people who watched Jesus die had to wonder if he was going to come back to life. We get the privilege of knowing he does, but to actually sit and, and have to confront what if, what if he doesn't? And and as Jeremy said, it doesn't mean that that's the the crux of it. Isn't that he necessarily came back to life? Um, it, it's it's an essential part of the story, but maybe not for everyone the crux of the story. Some some of us need that the practice of sitting in the tension because so often our lives are centered around avoiding pain, avoiding tension. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's why avoiding conflict, avoiding hard conversations, whatever it might be. And I think Holy Saturday is the day that teaches us the skill of of being able to be present in tense spaces um, and, and uncertain spaces where we don't get to, to know the outcome and control the outcome, which is if we live life, you know, honestly, mm-hmm. um, then that's a lot of our spaces. So sounds like wilderness practice to me. Right. Right. Sounds like wilderness practice. Yeah. And with that, we want to say thank you for. Uh, <laughs> Wait, come back for Sunday. We got to get to Easter. Yeah. Right. It just seems like what nobody no. else going to say. Nothing. Jim was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm good. Easter. Oh, like, oh, Easter's a new day. And Easter's the promise of resurrection. And we'll talk about it in our next podcast about what Easter living in Easter resurrection means. Um, but mm. uh, that's all I'll say because I don't want to give our sermon away. So, but <laughs> come back for Easter. I don't want to preach my sermon before we yep. get to Easter. <laughs> but golly, what does it mean? Yeah. Like, what does it mean to embrace resurrection? Yeah. And invite somebody in your life who needs resurrection, because mm. I positive there's somebody in your life who is who needs a little resurrection right now, because I, I know that I could name a few. Um, so I bet you can, too. And I'll be spooky and say, yes, invite someone in your life who needs resurrection, but just invite everyone, you know, uh, there. No, seriously. uh, uh whether you watch it online, whether you're in the space, there is going to be something special happening in this moment of worship that only happens when we raise our voices together, that only, you know what I'm saying, manifest when we pray together, when we do those things together. So make sure you're make sure you're there. Make sure you're there. I say it often in worship. It'll be a moment of worship that we've never had before and we can't have back. So we want to make we want to make sure you, you want to make sure you're there. Right. And come to Holy Thursday and Good Friday. Just come. Holy Thursday is going to be totally different. It's going to be a different feel. Um, It's at 730. Good Friday is going to be the more kind of traditional tenebrae, 730. The prayer labyrinth is going to be open um, Mm -hmm. from Thursday through Saturday. Um, And and then join us back on Sunday morning. We have two services, um, 930 and 11, both contemporary and then a traditional um, 930 and 11. So we hope to see you then.